Um, first, let, let me start off by um, finding out who we have with us tonight. And um, I have a feeling we'll have a couple people still trying to find room, uh, the room here, so they'll, they'll sneak in and, and join us. Um, let me, can you just uh, show me how many people are in here, you are a medical professional. Let me see your hands, all of you. How many are in nursing? How many are like a doctor, doctor's assistant? Okay, I want to make sure I don't leave out any of the categories. Um, how m- anyone here who is still in med school, you're a student? Yes. And I'd like to believe you were encouraged uh, to go into medicine, uh, for sure to help out others, but also missions was in your heart. How many of you actually went into medicine with missions as your end goal? I want to see your hands. Oh, you are wonderful. Okay. Okay, great. And the last question, how many of you guys in here are single? Aren't you glad that's a question? You know, don't you go to conferences and they always ask the married people to raise their hand and you're sitting there going, did anyone notice they raise my hand? Okay. Well, welcome. And... Uh, one other question. Um, I just want to hear, uh, do we have people, you're in a current field assignment? Yes? Yes, I see hands. Where are you located? I'm in Nepal. Yeah, Nepal. Indonesia. 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 Haiti. Haiti. Okay, great, great. Well, what I want to do during this session Uh, And I'm just assuming that you've read the intro, so I will not introduce myself again. Uh, Basically, all you need to know about me is I spent the first half of my career serving as a field missionary. And during that time, uh, uh, I'm duly trained uh, in in intercultural studies and uh, counseling psychology. And while I was working, I always worked in communist and post-communist countries. And while I was working in Hungary, I worked in the hospital for my visa in a neurology unit. Um, And I came alongside of the medical team there uh, to assist with the counseling aspect, dealing with neurological disorders. And a lot of you already go ding, ding. Uh, Yes, epilepsy. So a lot of young people who are told at the age of 13, 14, 15, they can never drive a car and will have some long-term impairment. So that was the role I played, okay? Um, Also, the second half of my career has been about providing care for cross-cultural workers, and that those workers is a multicultural team. I do a lot of multicultural uh, assessment, counseling, uh, psychological evaluations for candidates. But a large part of that second half of my career has been about singles. Um, I am single, and I share that with you because while I was in a field assignment, I kept thinking something is wrong, and I couldn't understand what. I couldn't understand why it seemed like as singles we were 
living on the edges and looking in in some aspect in missions. And I kept praying, and I um, later on went to provide care, joining different care programs, and actually um, helped to lead renewal care programs for families with children. And it was there that I decided we need something just for singles, a place that's just for singles, and started Single Vision International. And... um, been holding retreats uh, twice a year in Southern Europe and in Southeast Asia at, for singles, and it's sort of a network. And also, just a new uh, um, footnote I'll put in there, this year helping um, sponsor a team that started a website, it's a fellowship website for single uh, cross-cultural workers called calledtogether.com. So um, that's sort of the background and why I'm speaking about this topic and so you can sort of fit the pieces together as we share. Now what I want to do, I want to spend a few moments and I want to give uh, some challenges and some real strengths and supports that have come to singles in recent years, and I, then at the end, I want to get through that, um, through the uh, presentation, and then I want to go, move into a Q&A session with you, because, so I can hear more precise questions. So think of my presentation in this way, because you guys know I'm a professor, uh, director program in missionary care at Columbia International University. So I'm going to give you something where we're going to spring into the topic. So think of the presentation as a springboard rather than the end all, okay? So let's jump in with uh, both feet. Um, I want to talk about three supports and three challenges, uh, three and three, that are coming to single adults today in missions. And... um, First, uh, you know, I want to say to you guys, there's no greater time and no greater opportunity in history where we have been able to be a part of what God's doing globally like today. So I want to encourage you because one of the great opportunities that's before us is the opportunity to serve. Um, And as I share about challenges, I'm going to talk about environmental support and challenge, one in each, a a support and a challenge from each of the three divisions. So what we have is we have an opportunity to serve. And the opportunity as we look at the expansion and – I can't tell you in a nutshell, but the rapid growth that is before us. Today in missions, we talk about the 100 million club, if that tells you anything. Uh, Our grandparents' generation, when they went into missions, they were focused on even getting enough people to start a church. They were going to places where you didn't have any believers. And yet today, if you look at China you have over 
100 million Christians. If you, there's a lot of places in the world where the, there's expansive growth. If you look at sub-Sahara Africa. So the church is expanding at a great rate. And I would say that's one of our supports. Um, is Mission today is anywhere to everywhere. And that's a true statement. That statement was made maybe 60 years ago. But today it's actually true. It's from anywhere to everywhere. Um, and in this environment, uh, missions is more accessible to us as singles in a unique manner that has not been true historically speaking. Um, but today uh, you have the opportunity. Agencies welcome singles to serve. You say, well, is that anything new? Yes, it's very new. Uh, that only really in the 1970s and 80s, we had sort of a pendulum that swung from very closeness, only interested to send out families, to then it swung back, and now we're looking at more. What I see as an equilibrium in that there's equal opportunity, whether you're single or married today in missions. But that's something new because singles in the past, and especially if a person is serving in a non-traditional mission organization, um, there are a lot of uh, agencies, as, as I do the candidate evaluations, we're seeing the advantages of sending a single person. Because when I have that missionary candidate come before me, I look at every child they have, and I have to count each person and say, that's one more person that has to have a positive adjustment to the field for this to be a positive for this family. And so singles sometimes don't realize all the advantages and opportunities that they have in mission, but I, I just want to know I'm one of your greatest cheerleaders because uh, always wherever I served on the field, some of the most effective missionaries were often singles if they knew how to utilize their skill base. Uh, highly, they can be very highly effective. Uh, another opportunity that's there is there is a lessened societal pressure for singles to marry. Now, I'm sure many of you guys say, really? Um, because until you're 40 years old, everybody asks you, and it's more their issue than it is your issue, um, whether you're single or married. But I must say today, it is good that that shifted, because you have to think, um, it was only in short period of time ago, if already in your mid-20s, if you were single, People wanted to know why, already in your mid-20s, why you weren't married. Today you could be 30 and it's no problem. No one is having a problem with that. So it, there's more acceptance um, for singles to delay marriage. And often a lot of singles, and I don't know your precise situation, but a lot of singles delay marriage to serve in missions and then later marry at a, another season in, later on. Um, but that allows some breathing room 
And I just want to tell you guys, you'll be happy when you turn 40 because if you're still single, because people stop asking ridiculous questions of you like, well, when are you going to get married? And it's like, well, why don't you ask God that? Do you know? I mean, but at 40, those questions stop. And so the pressure from especially your parents stops. Uh, I know I see people in here from other cultures, and you're probably surprised. You mean American parents put pressure on their children to marry? Oh, yeah. Um, Not as much as other cultures, but we do get some pressure. So that is actually um, improving. So I see another opportunity that's there for service. But if I want to talk about an environmental challenge, um, we would need to look at the whole issue in realm of safety. And um, as I'm talking to you today, this is nothing new. Um, many of you, you, you read about all the Ebola advertisement. You've been following that in the news. and um, So I don't need to convince you of what is the challenge because safety is a major challenge. And why is that of concern to mission organizations? Well, 85% of singles are female. Now, in my lifetime, and I know for some of you, I look really old, but in my lifetime, and I consider it to be very short, um, I've seen the Iron Curtain fall, the bamboo curtain, and in my lifetime, I will see the crescent veil shred. You have to think about that. No other time in history has seen the parameters where the gospel is going today. And we all know where the real pioneer borders are. are is They are in Islamic or Muslim context. And... Um, And so you're very well aware of, especially medical missions takes you to the front line. It's one of the dynamics of medical missions. And um, so you're aware of a lot of safety issues. You know, when I talk to missionaries that went in the 1950s and 60s and I talk to them, they tell me the thing they had to be most concerned about was illness. Today, illness, I know it is concern to all of us, but that's way down on the list of safety issues. We're more concerned about being robbed and held captive, and those are sort of things we expect to happen in missions. It's not like it's something new that happens It's a part. We know that's going to be a part of being a missionary. And as a single female, um, that is where the safety issue comes back in because sometimes the mission says, please, please, please take care. They have concern. And sometimes that comes across very in a restrictive manner uh, to singles. Uh, But I'm getting ready to do a presentation at the Global Member Care Conference in February And one of the major things is women can't go out after dark in most Muslim contexts, okay? Um, So it's a safety. It's a major safety issue. And um, 
we know that the wars um, present a huge risk uh, for single uh, singles in general, but more so for women because uh, one part of war is often rape. And um, I would like to t stand here and tell you, oh, no, that doesn't happen. But I, I counsel a lot of people who get caught in wars, and that is a case. So we're very much focused on crisis and trauma today when we look at um, what we're anticipating as care providers, missionary care or member care providers. Um, but as singles, I would say a lot of these issues of safety can be partially addressed with placement. Uh, so placement considerations are core for singles for a number of reasons. Uh, fellowship reasons, and you need relationships, but also for just what's available for you to do as a single in the location where you're at and safety concerns. So um, also um, the mission context is changing. And the ministry structure, there is a shift in the infrastructure of mission agencies. Um, you know, the number of singles entering mission service is rising. Um, in the 1980s and 90s, uh, the ratio of singles uh, consisted of about 15 to 25% of the missionary force. And today that would be more like 30 to 50% of the missionary force would be singles. So singles are no longer the small minority, but they are becoming, I would say, one out of three, I think would be a safe estimate um, of missionaries is going to be a single. And so it's, it's not the um, one person among the group that's unusual, but it's becoming more normative. Um, and also, mission organizations are starting to provide more support to singles. So, um, you know, for a number of years, um, support that agencies were given were directed primarily at families. And today, there's concern that, there, that the needs of a single is more directly addressed. Um, and I'm glad to see that. Um, but one thing that makes a difference um, is as you go out to the field, um, I think there's a need to give the modality of lifestyle important. When you think of a team, for example, when a team is being put together, you need to have balanced representation on the team. Uh, if you have four families in one single, that may not be the best mixture, and especially if the married individuals have children. Now, there's a dynamic in missions that's always fairly pretty cool, and that is couples who do not have children live as singles on the field. They, you will find couples without children align themselves in their lifestyle modality with singles. Families with children, the fact that they have a family dictates another uh, lifestyle modality. And so 
it's really good if we could have more of a balanced representation, uh, maybe half singles and half married. So there's an incorporation of everyone on the team and no one gets lost. But many years ago, uh, 10, 20 years ago, uh, a lot of mission agencies, because singles were so a minority, it was not unusual for there to be this one single on a team of all married people with children. And uh, it usually was not a productive mixture. So we need to give thought to that. I think that's a preventive um, measure. Um, and, and I'm not saying that, meaning that um, if you knew someone on the field that you really wanted to work with and they were married with children, that wouldn't be a good option for you. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying as we're thinking with broad strokes in organizational structure, we should consider these things because uh, just singles in their ministry focus and options will probably be a little bit different. Uh, singles are going to have non-traditional hours and different things. And so just I'm mentioning that to think about prevention. I'm always on the preventive page. Um, so, but for team cohesion, there needs to be consideration. So, a challenge um, that has been noted in the mission agency context is equality of all missionaries. And I don't think this has been intentional. I, I think it's a lack of awareness that has been there, but um, we need more training from the home office and field leadership for them to develop an awareness of equality for all missionaries. In other words, this is the motto, what I'm saying. I'm saying a missionary is a missionary. All are equal no matter if they're single, married without children, or married with children. By the way, anyone in here feels pressure to get married uh, just to get people to stop sort of bugging you about that? Don't do it, because then you get into the category, you're married without children. Now the question turns into, so when are you having children? So just don't do it, okay, <laughs> for that reason. Um, so all should be equal. And this has been a challenge. Um, in other words, all missionaries should be equal in voice when there's a decision-making process, equal in treatment. There should be no favors. If one missionary gets a stipend for a vehicle or a camera or whatever it is, everyone should get that. Policy should be set for all use of project and missions uh, funding are equal in promotion. And this has been a real issue. Um, singles being promoted to positions of leadership. Now, when you go to the field, you will soon discover that often the person who has mastered the language and has long-term cultural knowledge, and cultural knowledge usually comes after four or five years studying a precise culture. Language competency, that's more a window we're talking of 
five to eight years, depending on the language, where you could really just be comfortable in that language. Um, and also, selection of leaders should be based on leadership skills and administrative skills. Um, and usually the person who has, has mastery in the language and cultural aspects are usually a single. You will find that will be a single person. And that's another one of the hidden blessings that singles have. Uh, you as a single, when you go to the field, you don't have a built-in home language. You don't have to go home every day and speak in English, if that's your mother tongue. Uh, you can have a roommate, and you can live with someone who doesn't know any English at all. And you can be in a total immersion to actually get those language skills. And singles, as I, I often want to remind them, these are the blessings that they have. And so that's why you often find a single who has real high competency in language and cultural knowledge. But when it comes time, and the challenge has been traditionally when it comes time for the promotion of leadership, it was not based on competency. And to me, knowledge of language and administrative skill should be the basis of selection of leaders, not marital status or gender or any of those other categories. So I know in missions we have matured beyond so many of our weaknesses, just as we have in the church. So I'm sure we'll continue to grow in this area as well because it is a challenge for singles, especially, I don't know if we have anyone here, you've been, you are the senior member on your field. Uh, but after you're there 10, 20 years, you, you will be the senior missionary. Um, and therefore, sometimes you will have someone come in who's only been there four or five years and be promoted as the field leader or director of the hospital or whatever uh, based on marital status. So it is a concern and area of growth we need. So um, this brings us to our last division where I want to talk about the missionary. We've talked about the mission agency and we've talked about the environment. Now I want to talk about the missionary. You know, what we're being called to in the 21st century today is a very non-traditional lifestyle. And um, I, just, I see a lot of young people in here and I, want to, I just want to say something to you guys. I really like young people and I think you've got a lot of things that you're doing right. And you don't hear that very much. I often hear voices do the opposite. And, but when I work with young people today, I find, and, and the, the issue is there's a polarization uh, in the demographic today. Either you have young people who are super, super just checking off the checklist and are doing so many good things and doing life right, and then you have this other, other polarized group on the other end of the demographic that aren't arising to achievement levels. And so I think that's where the criticism is coming from. But I want to say to the young people today, you have, you're more, far more realistic. 
when I talk to young people today, the first thing they ask me, well, what are the support systems, that, the member care that's going to be provided? I need to be with a team. Uh, they're saying things that are very logical, very realistic. And um, my generation, we were not healthy enough in those areas. So I just want to encourage you. But the other thing is I find you guys uh, willing to say material things are not the most important thing in my life. You are a generation that's willing to embrace a non-traditional lifestyle. And I just want to say you're doing a lot of good things right, okay? And I know God's at work um, in what we're seeing, but I marvel at you guys uh, that you're able to go maybe to children in a destitute place and offer health care to them or bush areas or whatever. Those tend to be very non-traditional lifestyles. Um, but, and I think part of that, why, why we have that uh, is because of the economic crisis we've come through. Um, but a lot of flexibility, and that's another uh, strength I see in the youth today. There's a lot of flexibility to move and go with, oh, we need to change the course. Well, we can go with that. And um, so I see that as a support. Um, and, and, you know, more young people are saying, I want to go to the remote locations. I want to go to the resistant fields. And, uh, but that's where the future of missions is at. So that's a real, um, a real positive. So um, the last challenge um, is one that often goes undetected for singles for the single missionary, and that is their greatest need, their greatest challenge is spiritual nourishment. In Single Vision International, you may say, what, what do you guys do? Well, always know, first need, every single person that's going to come to that retreat is spiritual food. And, um, you know, sometimes this current generation is misunderstood because you don't look traditional, but I love your hunger for God. Anytime someone criticizes the young generation today, I challenge that person. I would like for you to go down to the local university campus and talk to the young people down there and tell them you would like to have a Bible study tonight for three hours. And I said, they will be there. They may not be at a traditional worship service on Sunday morning, but they will study the Bible with you for four hours if you want them to. Uh, So it may look non-traditional, but in missions, most of the places where we're working and worshiping is non-traditional. And the challenge is, how do I get this spiritual food? And when someone tells me, I want that one-on-one, you know, like a teaching, a home Bible study, I want something very deep. That's what I'm hearing from, from the generation today. And so when you go to the field, you're going to say, where is substance? Because the field, it makes you go 
you want something even deeper because life's problems are huge. So you're not wanting the milk. You want some real steak, spiritual steak, that's going to carry you through some very desert places in your spiritual walk. And that's a problem why missionaries have struggled to come back to the North American church because they come back and they say, why is everyone talking in a very simplified manner about God? I feel like I'm in a spiritual desert. And then they get labeled, if they will ever verbalize that, get labeled as something spiritually must be wrong. And that's usually what the missionary is thinking. Something spiritually must be wrong with me because I'm not having my spiritual needs met when I come back to the church. So I just want to put that out there. Be prepared. Where are you going to get spiritual food? Just like you would think about your physical nourishment, think about your spiritual nourishment because that's going to be your greatest need, especially as a missionary. Um, So I want to shift and talk about um, peace because peace is very key in your heart. And one of the areas where peace germinates from as a single is where Scripture talks about that God wants us to come to a place of contentment. It doesn't matter where we're at in life, married or single, our calling, what God has, the standard he's asking from us, is contentment. And you say, well, that's, it's really hard to be content as a single. Wait till you get married. It's harder. <laughs> uh, because now you have something you have to invest in. It's not just investing in yourself. But you have to invest in another person in a marriage. So don't think of it in that way. I want you to think about, Lord, help me to be content in the season. Because if God's calling you for this season uh, and you're single, if you can trust him and walk with him in that, it will enable you to serve in a very enriched manner. And contentment is real key. It's, it's sort of right under the issue of Spiritual food. It's a pretty high priority, isn't it? But if you're not content, guess what? No one around you is content. Because as singles, it's one of the things uh, we often have to learn is whatever our emotion is and the people we're working with, we can spill our emotion over onto them. And it affects them. So contentment is a very uh, high priority for a single. Now, please don't hear me say that I'm I'm suggesting, oh, be content forever in your life as a single. No, I'm just saying trust God for today. But when you get married, you also have to do the same thing. You have to trust God in that marriage. And so it's a very similar dynamic, but... It's a faith issue. This is a trusting God 
And you guys, this is sort of the way I look at it. You know, God, I'm single right now. So you think that's the best for me. So you know what? You've given me today, and this is what you've put before me, and I am going to live to the fullest. And what you bring tomorrow, I will deal with tomorrow. But I'm not going to spoil today, this week, or this month thinking about next year. I just don't allow the enemy to do that in my life because I will never reach contentment. But I can be content today. I can be content this week in the now, the present, and live in the present, the here and now. So that peace, it's a spiritual maturity and maturing process, but key to missions. Now, this is my last point I'm going to make. I just want to say something. Um, Internet dating does not exist. Uh, That term just is like fingernails on a chalkboard to me. You can't date online, okay? To date, it takes face-to-face in the present. Now, I say that not to be sarcastic. I say that to protect you because actually what you can do online, and I'm not against online. You just heard me say I'm sponsoring the first online format for singles to fellowship and have opportunity to meet one another. Okay? So I'm not against online introductions, but that's what it is. It's an introduction. It's not dating. I don't even believe in weekend dating. Okay? <laughs> if, you're, if you're thinking about, I'm going to spend the rest of my life with this person, you need to move there and be with that person with some time and because it's about living together 24-7 and you really need to get to know that person. You say, and I can hear all, every single, they're thinking, what if they're from another city? Make the investment. It may mean you need to take six months off from what you're doing to make this work. But I would rather go into an agreement knowing this is where God's calling me than go based on misconceptions. Now, you say, why is she talking like that? Because I'm dealing with a lot of singles. They get on the field. You would talk to people when you're very isolated and alone in a very distant, far isolated location that you would never talk to in this room or even in this church or even at the local mall. So your standards go way down. So you have to know you're at a place where emotionally isolation can play some tricks on you. So I don't, don't let yourself go there. What your standard is for dating people in your home country, your standard for talking with people online should not be different. So just, I want to bring that to awareness because I see a lot of missionaries do that. Now, why am I saying this? Because I wish I didn't have to stand here and tell you a lot of singles get online and usually it starts out very harmless of chatting with people and it becomes a very whirlwind relationship and Quickly, 
I'm notified that they're getting married, and the marriage usually lasts about as long as the dating part did. So usually within a three- to six-month window of time, the person got married and divorced. And now I'm sitting there, and I feel so heartbroken because this single missionary, wow, things just got real complicated. And I'm going to be their best. I'm going to defend them and, and, and be an advocate for them. Sometimes I have to go and fight for their ministry positions because the mission says, well, if you did this, we don't, we don't want to send you back out to the field. You know, I mean, what is this? And our Christian organizations sometimes have policies that just would not support this type of um, lifestyle. And I advocate for them. So, But I'd rather see a single never have to go down that road. And so I just I, I say this um, just to bring awareness and to encourage you. Because you do have intimacy and nurture needs. And uh, you do need to be with other singles. So go outside of your mission organization uh, and look for relationships and connections on the field uh, because you are a relational person, and this is very important. Uh, So don't isolate. Hear the therapist part in me say to you, if you isolate... We are not, we're not designed and we're not built for isolation. And so it starts, other dynamics start taking place in our life. So have friends, connect with people, share your true self and feelings and emotions. Okay. All right, Q&A. Um, anyone, if you have a question you would like to ask, um, please Feel free to ask, and I'll repeat it because this is taped, okay? Question, as you think about singles in mission. Yes? So you talked about, um, in the context of administrative positions, um, kind of being promoted based on language capability and cultural competence, and not so much on marital versus personal status. And I find that actually... Rather than people that are married being promoted, it's almost that if you're single, not necessarily just because of facility development, but also just because you're more available mm-hmm. and you're promoted. And I'm feeling a bit of pressure to be put into a position where I just don't think I'm ready yet for mm-hmm. a fairly senior administrative position. I don't know. The line is going up all the yeah. time. So it's, I don't know. So do you have any advice for how to kind of fix this? Yes. The question is, she's being sort of. Uh, encouraged to be moved into a position where she feels her language skills and time and her her natural skills and abilities are not necessarily to be an administrative leader in the context she's being asked to serve. Um, I would really decline if that's not your natural talent or ability because we can operate 20% outside of our ability, but any time our main responsibilities move beyond that 20% where that's, a, that's challenging us, we, t- we start to burn out. 
And so I would talk to leadership and say, I can support someone who's in this role, but I'm not the right person you're looking for. So I would really decline and protect yourself. Because it would burn you out if it's not your gift set. So another hand over here. Well, um, the question is, uh, what has been my experience with missionaries in a relationship with a host national? That's really, I would look take that individual case by individual case. Um, but um, where I've seen it to be positive is if the, the local national person has lived outside their culture and they're aware of another culture, and that's a positive. The other thing is if um, naturally you have to have fluency in a common language. That's a big part of it. Um, and the other part of it is dating. This is the hot potato in missions because de depending on the cultural context where the missionary is serving, um, Dating, just even going to drink coffee with someone means you're engaged. That's what that means in a lot of cultures, okay? Not every culture, but a number of cultures to go in private with a person of the opposite sex and over and over and over again, that when I talk to host nationals, that's the number one thing they want me to incorporate in training because dating as we understand it, they do what uh, they, a lot of cultures have group events. And it's okay to be a part of a group and there's opposite sex, but private meetings, that's where, but uh, there tends to be a, a lot, a varied uh, misunderstanding, okay? So, uh, so if someone asks, if someone comes up to me even in a church setting and they're talking, directly with me, and I don't see other people talking, I'm going to pull other people in this conversation. And I just told that person, this is a group. Now, Najee's sitting over there, uh, he, and he's agreeing with me uh, uh, all along. But... Um,
how to relate to the national ones. And they isolate themselves within the compound, as you say, of their own like-minded and color and, and mentality. And that uh, can be isolating as well. They spend a lot of time emailing and then on Skype and then doing some relationships. I've seen people who immediately surprise everybody and they get married, either with a local who is international to some degree or someone else. And that, uh, as Ronnie said, those are very risky relationships. Yeah. So I would recommend that uh, to know ourselves under God intimately is very important because we have intimate needs and sometimes we mix them with sexual needs or physical needs and we have to separate our intimacies and know where to get them. And nationals are very welcome, a lot of hospitality. They offer you hugs and kisses and meals. So you meet a lot of your intimate needs in a healthy way when you are serving. So, my brother, to come back, I would uh, I would be very slow in a relationship, and I would uh, get uh, someone, a mature Christian, to mediate and be a part of helping me to understand. But uh, a lot of people often come and ask me, and it's as Naji said, my office is usually full of cross people in a cross-cultural marriage. It's a very risky thing. So you'd have to really in-depthly know that culture and that language. And um, and so usually when I went into a culture, you know, some mission organizations have a policy, and I think it's good, even though we as singles go, eh, um, uh, that you don't date your first year. Some say your f- first two years on the field. There's a lot of wisdom in that because the first year I often went, I served in, Four different locations. The first year, I thought, oh, wow, nice-looking people around here. Uh, second year, I said, I don't know about this. And usually after the second year, I decided I couldn't agree to what the cultural construct would be for me as a woman. So I don't know if that helps at all. Okay. Yes. That's a very good question, and that sort of comes back to the, que- uh, the question my sister asked here about expectation of longer hours. Number one need of medical missionaries from a missionary care perspective is the number of hours and the lack of free time to just recoup and how boundaries work in ministry. And, and it's so hard because... How do you say to a person, no, I'm not, I'm not coming, I'm not coming in, I, you know, it, it's an emergency, but I'm not coming in, you know. Uh, I'm, it's just so hard for a medical missionary. But let me say this to answer your question more direct. I always say to my married colleagues for them to understand because they think, well, you have all this extra time. Well, you have to go home. Who, now, who cooks your meals? You do. Well, and who washes your clothes? Oh, so how I started, <laughs> and when you live overseas, that's not like in the States. It takes extra, like double the time, right, to wash your clothes or you have to go to forced markets or whatever to get your food. Um, 
I keep making jokes about my wife so that they would start to understand. I would say, you know, my wife is not cooking today, so I've got to go home early and cook. Or, you know what, my wife didn't do the laundry this weekend. And for them to start thinking, well, wait a minute, we think you have nothing to do. And they don't realize, no, you have double duty. You've got work, and then you've got to do all the things at home that you didn't have a support spouse to help you with. And so, but you're going to have to draw some boundaries because that's on every field. There's sort of a, a, a little policy I, I tell missionaries in one course I teach. I, I tell them never to think that singles have more time or want to be your babysitter unless they volunteer their services. And for married people, uh, for single people, please don't think your married colleague wants to be your repairman unless they volunteer their services. <laughs> okay? Another question. I'm just wondering if you've come across any really great resources about um, singles and missions that are kind of more written currently. I feel like there's books about singleness and biographies about missionaries. Mm-hmm. You know, the, yes, there's the newest text. It's just come out. You can get it on Amazon. Uh, it's called Single Mission. Um, there's a group of us, we got together and wrote this book. The other sort of primer text out there is um, by Marjorie Foyle, Arnably Wounded. She writes about, she was a British psycho, uh, psychiatrist and writes a lot about singles in her book that's dated a bit. But Single Mission came out last year, so it's, it's the, the latest. Those are the two uh, best text, and there is one other chapter in a book um, written by Leanne Rimke, R O E M B K E, Rimke, um, Multicultural Teams. And Leanne was a single missionary, and she writes, she has several chapters on singles. So those are some books if you're interested. All right. Uh, I don't see any other hands, so I think we're ready to to close. But uh, thank you, you guys. And I'm here if you have any more questions. Um, I just want to, uh, I'll I'll tell you what I tell all the missionaries that I provide care for. I'm here to make you successful. And I hope I've been able to communicate my heart for you because I think you have so much to offer. And I want to encourage you and uh, support you. And it takes a little bit of navigation, but singles, wow, today to be in missions is a gold mine. Uh, and no journey, it does not come without rocks and little stones and pebbles along the way, but just wear some thick shoes. That's what Corey Timboom said, you know, for those rocky roads. But uh, make the best out of it because you, you bring a lot, and my blessings are to you. Thank you.